0: Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege presented to us to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all evil and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, Poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, ignorance, covetousness, all of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. I present this service into your divine hands. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. The book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 45 and 48. So that you may be the sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust, You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So shine with your Son on the just and on the unjust as God shines and send your rains on the just and on the unjust as God sends them, blessing the righteous and pouring out anger upon the unjust, because God acts in the boundaries and the limits of His word. And if He acts in the boundaries and limits of His word, then He loves those who love Him and despises those who hate Him. To despise God means to not fulfill His commandments. And so the sermon that I would like to continue is called Called to Perfection. This promised commandment is the inheritance of the saints of all time. And this commandment as we have noted is addressed by Christ to his disciples therefore those who do not accept the authority of the person sent by god have no relation whatsoever to the inheritance of this commandment and likely will never have any relation to it unfortunately uh, i need to repeat that those churches that are built upon democratic Structured, where pastors are selected by a majority of votes they will never be able to understand this commandment nor have any kind of relation toward it they do not have the understanding about what it means to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect they think that ripping out this place of scripture where It is not according to the letter or the spirit of any other places of scripture. And they interpret that God is tolerant, that God loves all. That's why you see the sun shines on those and those and the rain pours out on everyone, and therefore we have to love everyone however they may be. We must love them, they say. Whereas scripture tells us that we must love only those whom God loves and despise all of those whom God despises. God loves those who love Him and He hates those who hate Him. Wicked people are those who were previously holy and then they despise the commitments of God and they begin to challenge God. They did not acknowledge the theocratic structure of the order that there is one God and one man. They decided to to produce brotherly councils that are going to control the pastor that they will select by a major, by a majority of votes. This is a disgusting demotic democratic infrastructure. But the Lord is good and great is His name, that He has found for Himself people. These, these are a small amount of people across the whole face of the earth. This is not just in relation to our church. This is in relation to all churches who have the infrastructure of theocracy. Theocracy is the authority of God's love, where people voluntarily acknowledge over themselves the authority of the person that has been established by God. And they do not try to teach Him, but instead they have become disciples, and they listen what God is going to speak and say through this person. And with regard or in connection with the fulfillment of the commandment, to be vigilant over the Word of God in our heart, as God is vigilant over the words spoken by Him, we stopped at the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of man. And specifically, we've been studying what specific goals is the righteousness of God in our hearts called to pursue with the fruit of our righteousness. And in particular on the fact that the purpose of the righteousness of God in our heart accepted by us in the broken tablets of testimony in which we, with the law, died to the law so that we could receive justification in new tablets of testimony In order to live for the one who died and rose, and therefore in doing so receive the affirmation of our salvation in the new tablets, in order to give God the basis to give us the promise to be an heir of peace, not through the former law, but through righteousness of faith, just as he had given to Abraham and his seed. To be heirs of this great peace, but righteousness of faith as he had given it again to Abraham and his seed. For the promise that he would be the heir of peace was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Romans 4.13 And therefore, the covenant of peace in the heart of a warrior of prayer is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God in the words of the messenger of God. The faith of God is the generalism, it is the word of God that we hear through the mouth of the messenger of God those people whom God has sent and our faith is our obedience to the information that comes from the word of God. Faith is from hearing the word of God. You see the collaboration of our faith with the faith of God is expressed not with in searching collaboration with God through our emotions but through the information that we have accepted and this information that we have accepted as a seed we must accept in our heart and grow it in the fruit of righteousness and then collaborate with the righteousness of God and so according to what signs should we test ourselves to see if we have the reign of the peace of God in our heart which identifies us as the sons of peace and as holy unto God as belongings of him to test our hearts for the subject of the reigning peace of God in it should be done by the ability to be a peacemaker which characterizes us as sons of God as it is written blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God so peacemakers peacemakers become peacemakers only because in their heart there is a atmosphere of the peace of God And this peace, it is the fruit of righteousness that they have grown. It is the fruit of righteousness that contains this property of peace. And in a certain format, we have already studied six signs according to which we can judge and define that we are sons of peace and therefore sons of God. And we have stopped to study the seventh sign. This is by our ability to clothe ourselves or our essence into the holy or selective love of god why do we call the love of god selective and not tolerant because it is holy holy means it separates light from darkness something that is holy is always something that separates us from something Just like a coastland or an island is surrounded by waters, same thing here. Holiness separates us so that we could understand what is good and what is evil, what is a blessing and what is a curse, what is life, what is death. It is the holiness of God that places us before the decision. It places us before decision when we leave infancy. Until a spirit that is reborn of God leaves infancy, God cannot offer him a decision. Because how can he be offered a decision when he does not know who to follow? He stumbles. Infancy is one who stumbles. A man who stumbles, who is swayed by all kinds of winds of teachings according to the cunningness and craftiness of men. So, behind every kind of wind, there stands a specific person, and they go from one person to another. And in many American and Russian churches right now, they have photographs of generals of God for whom they pray and who they listen to. They do not have one person, one man, an apostle. And they, instead of calling a person, an apostle, a pastor, they call them generals of God, who, in fact, are not generals. Okay, if, for example, uh, this anointed man of God for some kind of church, if he is anointed for him, doesn't mean that you listen to him. You need to listen to the one who is in your church. You need to ask for God to open and reveal to you who to listen to. And what church to belong to? Perhaps you belong to some kind of club and not a church, or some kind of synagogue of Satan, or perhaps even some kind of morgue, and you call it the house of God. Perhaps this is Babylon, where the divine revelations are mixed with what is humanly. Understand and ask God to reveal to you because God has already called out and, sa- and has called saints to leave Babylon, to flee from there and to find saints in the dignity of a good wife that has the status of good or narrow gates in which there is a specific teaching of the fullness of Christ and the 12 base teachings of the walls of New Jerusalem, the 12 pearly gates, the 12 months of the fruit of the tree of life and the 12 precious stones of the breastplate of judgment. Find this kind of church, attach yourself to it and you are going to overcome the punishment that is going to befall Babylon in which you are currently founded. And therefore, above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you were called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians chapter 3, verses 14-15 through 15. So we see here that in this place of Scripture, the peace of God can reign only in the atmosphere of the divine love agape, when we are clothed in it. If there is no love, then there is no peace. And therefore, as sons of God, we are not yet affirmed. We are given sonship in the format of a deposit. We can lose it if we do not place into circulation the silver of our salvation. The seed of justification must be grown in the Eden of our hearts so that we can bring the fruit of righteousness so that we can receive salvation as our belonging, righteousness as our belonging, so that we can begin to practice righteousness. Because only a righteous person can practice righteousness. Let The righteous, let him be righteous still. While the children of God try to be justified by some kind of uh, gifts, by uh, exercise of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, evangelism, this means that they don't even have the understanding what God's calling is and what they should be justified with. We are justified by the gift of faith according to the grace of God and the redemption of Christ. Because God does not impute sin to us in Christ Jesus. We must accept a kind of Christ in whom our sins are no longer imputed to us. And if we have accepted this kind of Christ, the righteousness that we must earn with some kind of works, we have then accepted not Christ, but the spirit of delusion that you call Christ. Leave these blind leaders who understand this way and who preach this way. And in Scripture, God's selective love is presented by the Holy Spirit in Scripture in the light of seven unearthly dignities and properties through the preached word of the apostles and prophets. This is virtue, knowledge, self-control, patience, godliness, brotherly love, and love. Second Peter chapter 1 verses 2 through 8 we have already looked at five of the properties that open for us an entrance into the kingdom of heaven and have stopped to study the sixth property which is brotherly love with regard to this we arrived at the need to study four classic questions what does scripture say about the origin and essence of brotherly love which we are called to demonstrate in our faith what purpose is the love of God agape that flows from brotherly love called to fulfill in the demonstration of it in our faith? What conditions are necessary to fulfill to receive the power to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith and by or correct relations with one another, where we must stoop down to the level of one another and forgive one another just as Christ has forgiven us? And fourth, by what signs should we test ourselves for the presence of the demonstration of brotherly love in our faith? Given that the first two questions were already the subject of our study and previous sermons, we have stopped to study the third question. We must keep in mind that these conditions are components and do not work without one another, and they verify the authenticity of one another. The first condition, giving God the basis to pour out His love in our hearts, which we have already studied in our previous sermons, It is our decision to be born from the incorruptible seed of the preached word. It is this decision and the desire to know and fulfill the will of God that follows was known by God before the creation of the world, which gave God the basis to reveal His predestination about us so that we may be like His Son. The second condition giving us or giving God the basis to pour out His love in our hearts is to demonstrate salt in our faith, which is the presence of the fruit of holiness.
1: So,
0: to demonstrate in our relations with God, with one another, and with all our surroundings, holiness, salt, the fruit of holiness. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. These are the direct words of Christ. And according to the revelations of Scripture, the presence of salt, representing the property of holiness, is grown in the process of our total dedication to God. When a person is laid upon the altar, upon the fire of this altar, which we know was preceded by total sanctification in order to lay ourselves as a sacrifice to dedicate ourselves to God. It is necessary to conduct full and total sanctification that will make us a coastland surrounded by the cleansing waters of sanctification on all sides. It is a presenting of our body as a living, holy and acceptable sacrifice to God for reasonable service that clothes us in the dignity of the fruit of holiness that makes us the salt of the earth and defines the soil of our heart as good, and wise for everyone will be seasoned with fire you see where we gain salt in fire in the fire of the Holy Spirit and this fire burns on the altar we should we need to understand this that if Christ is presented in a sacrifice in the altar then the fire is the Holy Spirit who engulfs the sacrifice Where everyone will be seasoned with fire. When we present our body as a living, holy, and pleasing sacrifice for reasonable service, then there will be this seasoning with salt. Then we can have salt in ourselves. And every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Do not offer a sacrifice without salt, but upon all sacrifice bring salt. And we talked about how in every sacrifice it was necessary, the priest needed to put some, season it with salt. So that in doing so, he can demonstrate that this sacrifice has salt, or rather holiness. Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. Mark chapter 9 verses 49 through 50 there are many of these kinds of places of scripture I have mentioned two of them in order to affirm that this is a commandment to have salt in yourselves I remind you that despite the fact that all sheep by nature are pure animals only the sheep that is separated for a burnt offering sacrifice becomes holy she is separated from the flock and becomes a sacrifice so He who is holy is always pure, but someone that is pure is not always holy. Remember, out of the parable of Christ, the woman, she had cleansed her house. Perhaps this cleansing was tied to an encounter, because she cleansed her house, but she didn't know why she was cleansing it, what goal she was pursuing in this sanctification or in this cleansing. The goal of evangelism, the use of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, material blessing, that which the false charismatic churches are pursuing. Charisma is the use of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but this service has nothing in relation to them. They use demonic manifestations, calling them the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They do not have total sanctification that pursues the goal of total dedication. Their goal is completely different. Their goal is not to set aside the old man, to renew their thinking with the spirit of their mind, or to clothe their body into the new man. They do not have this calling or this goal. With these things that they do, they try to earn the righteousness of God. In doing so, they think that they are doing this, and therefore they will become righteous.
1: Therefore,
0: as I have noted, only that sheep only that prayer that sacrifice that is separated from the flock and is brought as a sacrifice a sacrifice that is separated from the flock it endures a severe loneliness severe loneliness it it is an animal that normally belongs to a flock, and having been separated from it, it is not separated right away. Pasek, the lamb, it is separated and held for three-something days. It is The lamb is not given anything to eat, to drink. It has been separated from the flock, from their mother. What do you think this lamb feels in this severe loneliness and hunger and in cold? This is sanctification for us to understand. That sanctification is not honey and sugar. It is the bitterness of death. When we are immersed into the death of the Lord Jesus, we are not going to endure some kind of great emotions or feelings. We are going to endure horror. But of course, not that horror that Christ had endured. The Ark. The ark in which Noah was saved in, having built it, this is an image of Christ. The ark had endured the whole storminess of the waterness of the waters. It had endured the anger of God, but Noah with his family, they had felt this horror being found in this darkness because there was no light there. That's why God, speaking regarding those who are found in the ark of salvation, in the death of the Lord Jesus, through the prophet Isaiah said, Woe to her who is thrown and tossed by the winds of the storm.
1: Without seizing
0: the storms. But when you have information, you are not going to search for comfort. You are going to say, Thus shall be fulfilled the truth in my body, to my soul. We say to our soul, Be still, O my soul. From this we can conclude that if our sacrifice, comprised of our prayer intercession, is not offered up on the fire on the altar of burnt offerings, In order to be seasoned with the fire of holiness, we cannot have the right to intercede as warriors of prayer and the dignity of priests of God in the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ. And therefore, we cannot have the righteous status to enter into the sanctuary, to draw near to God as His kings and priests draw near to Him. I will remind you that holiness is the state of our heart. That discovers itself in the just words of prayer. This state must express itself in the correct words of prayer that have come from the mouth of God, not what we ourselves make up, those words that we make up ourselves. How however grammatically correct or perfectly placed in a sentence convention they may be. They might be in an art form, but they are not the words of God this is going to be evil in the eyes of God. Only those words in prayer that are used, that have come from the mouth of God, and that we find on the places of Scripture, take the words of prayer and come to me. Do not make them up, but take them from me. God says, and come to me with my words, He says. And when people come to Him with His words, that are just and righteous, that come from our heart and the dignity of the faith of God that we have accepted through the preached word for which
1: as
0: it is written pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord Hebrews 12.14 the expression of our words must represent the fruit of peace and the fruit of holiness together in a bond these are components of the fruit of righteousness. The attempt to demonstrate peace outside of the limits of holiness and not as an ex- expression of holiness transforms us into sons of resistance and perdition, or rather into Antichrist, those that are Antichrist. I consider, I, I, I feel like I should have a relationship with this person. Who cares that he's not from another church? This isn't anything bad, they say. They, always, they also pray to Christ. What kind of Christ are they praying to? What kind of structure are they found in? Do they have a theocratical structure or do they have a democratic structure? So, think with your heads what you call holy. If God calls this evil, how then do you dare to call this like a congregation of saints that this is a synagogue of Satan? If they resist the truth, how can you call this church or this kind of person holy? and you give yourselves the right to communicate with them. The demonstration of holiness in prayer is a demonstration of righteousness of faith that affirms our origin in God, giving us the right to make a new covenant with Him, which is the covenant of everlasting peace. Only saints have the legal right to represent the interests of the holiness of their God and fulfilling a kind of sanctification that pursues the goal of dedication and service to the living and true God. And therefore, let me remind you that the word holy in relation to man that has been born from the seed of the word of truth, because again, God does not give birth to those that are not righteous and those that are not holy. Those that want to become holy and righteous by doing something, they, in doing so, say, I have not been born of you. When you ask, are you born of God? They say yes. Are you holy? They say no. Are you righteous? They say no. Well, then what? Does God give birth to those that are not holy and not righteous? How? A sheep has given birth not to a lamb, but a snake? Or a dove gives birth to a serpent? Are you thinking about what you are saying? If you acknowledge that you have been born from the seed of the Word of Truth, you must acknowledge that you have been justified in the resurrection of Christ, that this righteousness you have except having received it as a gift of grace and that you are righteous and holy by the fact of your origin, by the fact that you have been born of God and not because of what you do with your works, but what God has done for you and who He is for you. And therefore, the word holy in relation to man who has been born of God means born of God, born to God, coming from God, belonging to God, abiding in God, being the property and belonging of God, redeemed by God, set apart for God, set apart from the nation, from the household, and from the corrupt desires of our soul, dedicated to God, like God, in the likeness of God. He who is holy is he who is in the likeness of God. Our spirit that has been born of God, he is identical in his holiness to God and according to his nature because he has been born of him. Entering into the portion of God or inheriting one inheritance with God and sharing in the authoritative powers with God. Obviously, a person who is born from this kind of great king, he will become this way when he grows into the full measure of the stature of christ he has all of this but in order for him to gain to gain this rank of authority he needs to grow so in this growing of himself in the full measure of the stature of christ we must grow in ourselves this fruit of righteousness that has the property of holiness the property of peace the property of meekness in this love of God, agape. Therefore, the word holy yields the inner state of a person born of God, making his heart identical to God's heart. While the word holiness is a manifestation of this state, which expresses itself in words and deeds of holiness, which serves as proof of our belonging to God and our origin in God and from God, which gives us the rights of warriors of prayer in the dignity of kings, priests, and prophets, and gives God the basis to incline heaven toward us. Uphold my steps in your paths, that my footsteps may not slip. I have called upon you, for you will hear me, O God. Incline your ear to me and hear my speech. Psalm 17, verse 5. In scripture, the phrase, incline your ear to me, used in relation to man toward God, means, listen carefully to the man that prays. Make your eyes good toward the man that prays. Become a refuge for your warrior of prayer. Become a cover for a warrior of prayer. Take up a perimeter defense around a warrior of prayer to put the enemies of a warrior of prayer to flight and to hit the enemies of a warrior of prayer. In order to give God the basis to incline His ear to our prayer, it is necessary to present God arguments of our origin and the offering of the fruit of holiness in the atmosphere of brotherly love as well as outside of it. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life, Romans 6.22. And therefore, from the existing definition, it follows that until a person is freed from sin by taking off the old man and considering himself dead to sin and alive to God, calling the inexistent power of incorruptibility in his body as existent, He cannot become a servant of God in order to demonstrate the salt of holiness. And in order to grasp the essence and the difference between the definition of holy and holiness in relations between man and God and with all surroundings, it was necessary for us to answer a series of questions. What is this? What does it present And how is the characteristic of God's love determined proceeding from brotherly love and showing one's faith in the fruit of holiness? Second, what purpose is holiness called to fulfill in relations between God and man and man and God? Third, what price is necessary to pay in order to demonstrate the fruit of holiness and brotherly love? In a certain format, we have already studied three questions and have stopped to study the fourth one. By what signs should we test ourselves for the presence of salt which yields holiness in relations with God and one another? That we are demonstrating holiness with God and one another. I will mention seven familiar signs of the cooperation of the fruit of holiness grown by us with the holiness of God and brotherly love, as well as all our surroundings, by which we can test ourselves for the subject of salt in ourselves, Leviticus chapter 26, verses 1-12. through 12. If you walk in My statutes and keep My commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last till the time of vintage, and the vintage shall last till the time of sowing. You shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. I will give peace in the land, and you shall lie down, and none will make you afraid. I will rend the land of evil beasts, and the sword will not go through your land. You will chase your enemies, and they shall fall by the sword before you. Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall put ten thousand to flight. Your enemies shall fall by the sword before you, for I will look on you favorably and make you fruitful. Multiply you and confirm my covenant with you. You shall eat the old harvest and clear out the old because of the new. You see here, you will the transfer between the old and the new testament. You will clear out the old because of the new. I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you.
1: Therefore,
0: each time when in Israel this had occurred in the seventh year, from the harvest that they had were given in the sixth year, and when there was a new harvest, and when it was in such a measure that they had thrown out what was old because there was too much new and why did they need to then keep the old? Why are you going to keep produce that have grown old and are about to decay when you have a lot of fresh ingredients? You uh, get rid of these old products or old produce in your ref- refrigerator that are already decaying because the law had the had decay it brought a person to decay it was given for condemnation for sin and therefore clear out the old because the new i will when you set us when you clear out what has been old for the new then i will set my tabernacle among you and my soul shall not abhor you i will walk among you and be your god and you shall be my people And so, seven signs. The first sign, our Lord God will walk among our camp to deliver us and deliver our enemies in our hands. The second sign, God will give us rain in its season, the land shall yield its produce, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. The third sign, God will give us the opportunity and ability to eat our bread to the full and dwell in our land safely. The fourth sign, God will give peace in the land and we shall lie down and none will make us afraid. He will rid the land of evil beasts, and the sword will not go through our land. Our enemies that we talked about inside, these uncircumcised Philistines, these uncircumcised thoughts and lusts, they are going to be destroyed. These are the beasts that are going to be driven out of our land. Fifth sign, God will look unfavorably on us and make us fruitful and multiply us. Sixth, God will be firm in a covenant with us will set his tabernacle among us and his soul shall not abhor us. And seventh, God will walk among us and be our God and we shall be his people. Given that five signs according to which we should test ourselves for the fact that the fruit of holiness grown by us cooperates with the holiness of God were already the subject of our study, we will turn to studying the sixth sign comprised of The fact that the Lord God will be firm in a covenant with us will set his tabernacle among us and his soul shall not abhor us according to this sign, which is the result of the cooperation of the fruit of holiness grown by us with the holiness of God, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith and brotherly love, it follows that if God does not affirm His covenant with us in the format of His word, magnified in the temple of our body above all His names, He, or rather God, will not have any basis to set His tabernacle in our body as well as our congregation. Because God has promised to cooperate with us only in the boundaries of His spoken word that has been magnified by Him in the temple of our body as well as in the midst of our congregation, if it meets the requirements of a good wife that has the dignity of narrow
1: gates. And for
0: this purpose, we, through hearing the preached word to us in the format of a seed, are called to keep the seed of His word directed by Him to our conscience cleansed from dead works in the format of a commandment. With this, we should note that the cleansing of our conscience from dead works is called to occur through the knowledge of the truth that is contained in the blood of the cross of Christ. And so the phrase, will be firm in His covenant, means, will ratify His covenant between Himself and us in order to make His covenant between Himself and us legally lawful and unchangeable. However, before affirming His covenant between Himself and us, it is necessary for us to first know not just how we should affirm a covenant with God, but also what powers the covenant made between us and God has. Otherwise, we will not have any knowledge of what to affirm or what is comprised in a covenant between us and God. And so it is necessary for us to answer two key questions. First, what powers is a covenant between us and God endowed with? Or, what treasure did God place in a covenant made between Himself and us? And second, what requirements are necessary for us to fulfill in order to ratify a covenant which we have made with God in order to make it legally binding and unchangeable? Because God's role in this aspect is to reveal Himself to us in the given covenant. Whereas our role is to ratify His covenant in the midst of our assembly, as well as in the temple of our body. To ratify, to affirm. You know that each time when a certain law comes from the king or president there there exists, a certain alleged Congress that must ratify this, that must affirm it, and if it is not affirmed, this law is not affirmed. Then this law will not be legitimate. Of course, when there were kings, then the king was simultaneously the—he was a—he himself was a legislature, and he himself was a member of Congress. His word was the law. But yet, here, God wants wants us to affirm His covenant. And for this, it is necessary to know what to affirm. And so the first question, what treasure did God place in a covenant made between Himself and us, which we must keep in the soil of our good heart so as not to sin? As it is written, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalms 119, verse 11. This is not just the word, but this is the meaning that has that has significance. A covenant, what is a covenant? A covenant is an oath, a union, or an agreement in the format of a will to the unsearchable inheritance of Christ consisting of the sworn promises of God in heaven in the sanctuary and in the contrite and humble heart of man, trembling at the word that proceeds from the mouth of God in the mouths of his messengers. For where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator, for a testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. We are talking about the covenant that we have made between ourselves and God we need to understand what kind of covenant that we have made that he ha- has already gained power because a testator that, that uh, gave us this covenant he had died so that the te- so that the inheritance comes to us and when it comes in our hands we must affirm it in this covenant in the format of a will to the un- unsearchable inheritance of Christ comprised of his sworn promises God makes only with a person that has been born of God birth from God is comprised of three functions that cannot be legitimate apart from one another. This is birth from water, birth from spirit, and birth to the throne. Jesus answered to Nicodemus, to his disciple, to one of his disciples, one of the people who was was one of the elders, who was one of the centurions. He said, Most surely I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is birth to the throne. So here we see right away all three functions of birth. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. John chapter 3, verses 5-8 through 8. So, We must know what a covenant is, and we can know what a covenant is when we are born, when we are born from the Spirit, water, and to the throne. According to these unchanging words, If a person, having accepted salvation in the seed of the preached word, is not born from water and spirit, which in practice means does not place the silver of his salvation into circulation, or does not grow in the good soil of his heart, the fruit of truth, out of the seed of the word of truth, he cannot enter salvation, which is known as the kingdom of heaven. According to the original Greek language, the essence of the concluding phrase spoken by Christ, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes, so as everyone who is born of the Spirit, has a tremendous meaning that merges with the Spirit of all of Scripture. Take a look at the meaning that is contained in the original Bible, the meaning of this phrase. The Spirit finds pleasure revealing itself in the blowing of the quiet wind in the heart of a person whom He loves and who distinguishes His voice from a thousand others, and acknowledges this voice in the garments of a person clothed in the sacred garment, traveling down to the toes, in the place where the Spirit delights in dwelling and for the purposes to which the Spirit aspires. This is the case with everyone who is born of the Spirit when people do not understand the meaning of phrase, phrases they simply read it but they don't understand what it means and when you don't understand and when you take the citation then it is going to serve as a narcotic because you are going to think that you have learned this place of scripture you use it in prayer but if you don't understand what you proclaim if you do not understand what the word which you accept it will not bring you any benefit it is going to serve as a religious narcotic. That is why mainly churches have drugs. These are spiritual drug addicts that do not understand the meaning of words but attribute it to themselves and they say that they are going to be raptured because they proclaim that which is written there but they do not understand what is written there and what price they have to pay. What price they have to pay so that this word that is written could become their belonging and from this meaning it follows that we are referring to a person who has accepted the Holy Spirit as Lord and Ruler of his life so he who is born of the Spirit is a person that has accepted the Holy Spirit as a Lord and Ruler of his life because he is led by the Holy Spirit this is talking about being led by the Holy Spirit he received this ability and he received the right to be called and to be the son of God as it is written for as many as are led by the spirit of God these are the sons of God Romans 8 14 despite the fact that Jesus in this dialogue with Nicodemus pointing to the condition for entering the kingdom of heaven did not directly mention birth to the throne yet the function of birth to the throne was contained in the word about the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God in the temple of our body as any kingdom cannot function in the temple of our body without the throne of God, which it is governed by, from the position of which it is governed by, and to discover the functions of birth to the throne should be done by the acceptance and presence in our heart of the promise that relates to the door of our hope, in the format of the power of imperishability, upon which the Holy Spirit will reign and govern us, which will be erected in the temple of our body in the place of the power of death, which is the throne of the Holy Spirit, governing the kingdom of God in the temple of our body. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth, and another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and seven diadems on his heads. Seven crowns. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth, to devour her child as soon as it was born so his whole goal and his whole purpose was directed at that which was found in the womb of the woman she had cried out from pain the labor had started and he was waiting to devour this child and so she bore a male child who is to rule all nations with a rod of iron and her child was caught up to God in his throne and the dragon did not have time to to devour this child because the child was caught up to God in his throne Revelation 12, 1-5 In the image of this prophetic parable, birth to the throne, representing the kingdom of God in us, should be tested in the temple of our heart according to the properties of a male child raptured to God and his throne, born by the woman who was clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. And so... First, under the woman who gave birth to the male child, we should view the congregation of saints among whom was selected a bride of the Lamb that has the property of the male child. Second, the dignity that the woman had, in fact, were the properties of the male child whom she bore. And so under the male child, we view the category of wise virgins, whereas the woman is the category of foolish virgins.
1: Otherwise, if
0: otherwise she would have been raptured along with a child born to her if she were to have the property of the male child, the property of a good wife. The fact that the children or the child born to her was of the male gender tells us that the category of wise virgins, regardless of their gender, in the dimension of time, has the opportunity to proclaim with her lips the seed of the faith of God dwelling in her heart. This is the component of the wi- wisdom of the wise virgins. The seed is the male function, depend, independent on social class, gender, age, any person, a small, a small boy, a small girl, an elderly person or an elderly sister who proclaims with her lips the faith of God that dwells in her heart, she becomes a male child. She fulfills the functions of, of the male. Therefore, there where it speaks in relation to the male gender and to brothers, this is written uh, to everyone because in Christ Jesus there is, no, uh, there, is no, there is no male or female gender. The stars that were under the feet of the woman, which is also the dignity of the male child, is the renewal of our thinking with the spirit of our mind. She was clothed in the sun. The sun. Remember, we talked about is Samson, our sunshine, our new man, in whom we are call, whom we are called to be clothed in, so that we can be clothed into the new man.
2: Under the under the
0: under the moon that was under the feet, is the renewal of our thinking with the spirit of our mind, which allowed us to bridle the sphere of our emotions in order to present the members of our body as instruments of righteousness. So, a renewed thinking is our mind that is renewed. And you know that a moon does not have its own sun. It takes light from the sun. It cooperates with the sun. It sheds the light of the sun in the darkness during the night, just as our renewed mind governs our emotions, the members of our body, from the sun, from the name of our new man. The garland made out of twelve stars in the head of the woman, which is also the dignity of the male child, is the reigning teaching of Christ in the twelve foundations of the walls of New Jerusalem and the twelve pearly gates that open the path to the tree of life that offers its fruit each month twelve times a year. Thus, the twelve stars on the head of the woman, which is also the dignity of the male child, is the seal of God on our foreheads which demonstrates the ability of our renewed thinking to cooperate with our new man. Our renewed thinking cannot directly cooperate with the Holy Spirit, but it can directly cooperate with our new man who directly cooperates with the Holy Spirit that lives in our heart. on the throne of which that has on the throne of which has been erected on the broken throne of the power of death Considering that the kingdom of God to the throne of which the male child was raptured is multifaceted and multifunctional multifunctional as evidenced by various images, allegories and parables about the kingdom of God, I will recall some of its meanings, covering and penetrating all areas of creation and linking these areas together in Christ Jesus. Just as in the study of the coming kingdom of God called to reign in the temple of our body in the dignity of the throne governing the kingdom of God within us These meanings are called to be for us the result of the collaboration of the fruit of holiness that we have grown With the holiness of God which we are called to show in our faith in brotherly love First the kingdom of God is the immediate place expressed in heaven where God dwells and has dominion. The Lord has established His throne in heaven, and His kingdom rules over all. Psalms 103 verse 19. And let us remember that we are talking about a covenant. Again, a covenant is that it is made between us and God. It contains the kingdom of God, the inheritance of the kingdom of God, that God has promised to us as an inheritance, and that must be revealed in us in the power of imperishability. Second, the kingdom of God is a place in the spirit of a person where the word of God and Holy Spirit dwell and have dominion. Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, See here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Luke chapter 17, verses 20 through 21. Third, the kingdom of God is the fulfillment of the coming promises of God in the temple of our body through prayer. So, the kingdom of God begins to be fulfilled in the temple of our body when we proclaim in prayer the faith of God that dwells in our heart. So, He said to them, Jesus said to His disciples, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So where does the kingdom of God need to come? Inside of us, inside our body. And when a person prays, your kingdom come, and when he doesn't understand where should this kingdom come, then this prayer is in vain. He doesn't understand where this kingdom should come to. He does not pursue in his prayer the words of God. When I say, let your kingdom come, I already know what I am talking about. I am saying, Let your kingdom come in my body or let the power of life reign in the temple of my body. This is what Christ had taught us, his disciples to pray. And again, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done in the temple of my body. Be as it is in heaven. Fourth, the kingdom of God is growing in our spirit, the fruit of righteousness, peace and joy. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 14, verse
2: 17.
0: You see, when we search for the kingdom of God, we must search for Him in righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. To search in the Holy Spirit means to be led by the Holy Spirit. When we are immersed into the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit carries a responsibility for us before God. When we accept the Holy Spirit in ourselves, we carry a responsibility to represent the Holy Spirit with those whom we have fellowship with. That's why it's very important to understand you when it is inside of us and when it is outside of us when we are found in Christ and when he is in us here we are talking about the holy spirit that represents Christ and therefore it's also very important that the kingdom of god is in this manner that's why we must search for it it is not eating and drinking as people try to search for god with a material prosperity kingdom of God is righteousness, the fruit of righteousness. What is the fruit of righteousness expressed in when we consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God? And we begin to proclaim this, calling the inexistent as existent. God imputes this to us in the fear of righteousness. And we must understand that here is the kingdom of God. Here is the covenant of God. It is in our lips. And then God takes this covenant that we have expressed in our lips as the faith of our heart, and He clothes us in this covenant. And when He clothes us in this covenant, He carries a responsibility for us. When we place this covenant in us, we carry the responsibility for this covenant in order to represent It's before one another and all those that surround us. Fifth, the kingdom of God is the reign of the grace of God in our essence to the righteousness of our heart that is called to clothe us in the dignity of eternal life. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans chapter 5, verse 21. We each time, talking about this place of scripture, we highlight the fact that grace cannot dwell in a person until he does not grow the fruit of righteousness, in which will be the fruit of holiness, the fruit of peace, and the fruit of joy, these components of this fruit. Until a person has grown this in himself, Grace cannot be found in him. He has the law of Moses, and this person is found under the wa- guard of the watch. That's why with his lips he says one thing. He says that which is not in his heart. He says that. He says speaks the correct words, but he does not understand them. And when he does not understand them, he cannot carry them in his heart. It is impossible to lay a commandment in our heart that we do not understand. We need to uncover a commandment. To uncover a commandment is the law. It is a covenant. And in order to carry this covenant in our heart, we need to understand what it is comprised of, what are the contents of this covenant.
2: And
0: therefore, we must strive toward this so that we leave infancy, so that we leave uh, listening to all different kinds of people and listen to only one, so that we can know to discern the voice of God only in one person and follow the words of this person. And when this occurs, when we accept this, we will, when we acknowledge it, when we accept this kind of person, as soon as we accept him, at this time, grace the grace of Christ reigns because this grace is given through this person for all the promises of God and Christ Jesus are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. To whom you forgive their sins, their sins are forgiven. On whom they remain, they will be remained. You see, our forgiveness of sin is dependent on this person. And when a person comes and confesses sin and then Leaves church and leaves. I, have, I had said to all of those people, I think that they had heard this that all of those who confess their sins and all those that have left, they confess their sins of adultery, um, alcoholism, all the sins are then now remain on their heads because they rejected me, they rejected our assembly. And the wicked person, he that whom they followed, he said, just confess directly to God. He distorted scripture. To, no one can confess directly to God. You violate the order of God. How can you directly confess to God and how can God forgive you if God, having been faithful to his word, passed along this function to apostles, To whom sins you forgive, they shall be forgiven. On whom they are retained, they shall be retained. When I began to do this, do you remember, imagine what kind of fire was ignited between the Episcopals when they said, who is he to forgive sins? They had never forgiven sins, never practiced this. They had um, proclaimed forgiveness through a prophecy if in the prophecy it will be said that you are forgiven they will proclaim this person as forgiven they will accept him in the church but yet he will still carry the burden and they will always remind him of his sins and he cannot carry and take up any position in the church he is always going to be there somewhere in the back rows but in fact this is not so because when God forgives sin he blots it out of his memory and a person can be restored in his position in his state Peter, he had done a great sin along with all of the apostles. They had ran away when Christ was was crucified. And when Peter was asked, was it not with you that was with him? Peter said, I do not know this man. He rejected him three times. And when the Lord met with him, he had restored his calling. He said, tend to my sheep. He did not reject him that's why when we sing the song that he takes if some kind of stone falls he takes it carefully he washes it and he once again lays it on that same place to its for to his former place and he lays stone upon stone and he will set forth a new place and stone upon stone it will be laid. But when I saw that God does not place a new place to those people that fall in sin, that He, when they confess, He restores them in that same dignity, in that same state, He returns to them their rights. For God returned the rights of the, of, the, of the son that had left his father. He did not say, oh, you have left, now you cannot be my son, you are going to be my servant. Well, the son himself, he understood that he could no longer be a son. He thought in himself that he could at least be a servant of his father's that he can have the right to eat the bread, the bread of life. But when the father saw him still far off, he went out to meet him. He was almost naked and in shambles. He was dirty, hungry, without shoes on his feet. His father hugged him, hugged him in such a state, in such a repenting state, and he began to kiss him. And he told his servants, make a feast. Bring him new clothes. Give him shoes to wear. He gave him a ring. And he had pierced a lamb and made a feast. And so, this is how in our essence the grace of Christ reigns. Sixth, the kingdom of God within us is the ability to be led by the Holy Spirit and be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit now some are puffed up as though I were not coming to you but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills and I will know not the word of those who are puffed up but the power for the kingdom of God is not in word but in power
2: in the
0: original because some read that it is not in the word but in power but in fact in the original it says not in word where there is no life but in the power of the word when there is power in this word two people come out and they read one in the same place of scripture and one reads immediately people have some kind of light uh, and they begin to understand you know when i read when i read to you the word of god you already have revelations on it you then uh, all of a sudden understand and i am told uh, this by almost every Person in every church, as soon as they begin to read, they already see the topic. When another one reads this same place of scripture, they don't see anything. He will read and he will just rephrase or repeat this, what he had just read. And these people, this is talking about those people that have the Word of God that is anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit. When this person speaks, You begin to see, you begin to see God, His nature, and that which He has done for you, and that which you must do to inherit all of that which He has done for us. Seventh, the kingdom of God is the state of the poverty of the human spirit in which a person voluntarily gives up dependence on all that he has so that he could gain the kingdom of God. Then he lifted up his eyes toward his disciples and said, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 6, verse 20. Thus, we are referring to our spirit. Our spirit that has died to everything so that he can rely on God. He intentionally did this because in the death of the Lord Jesus we die to everything that we have relied on. Any self-righteousness that we have built, even if we have built it perhaps correctly, but we do not yet trust or rely on this righteousness. We rely, we must rely on the Lord, His mercy. To pay attention. Their works go behind them. They do not go before them. Why do they not go before them? Because when we come to God, We can't say, Lord, look at what I had done, look behind me. When we go to God, we must first come and demonstrate our humility. We demonstrate our humility before God. The fruit of the Spirit we demonstrate. Not the works of righteousness, but the fruit of the Spirit. When a person wants to show that which he has done, he says, Lord, look, look at how many people I healed with your name, how many demons I have cast out, how many miracles I have done, how many churches I have created, how many people I have brought to you. He says, no, I don't need this. You did not do any of this. You thought that it was you doing this, but this was God doing this. Yes, God did this through you, but this was not you. This is God that had done this through you. This does not belong to you, this belongs to God. But what belongs to you, what must you bring to God? When you bring myself when you bring me many fruit, then the Father will be hallowed. When we offer our character, we say, Lord, look. Look at who I was and who I've become. Look, I was bitter, I was envious. In me lived lust. I had lied. But now look, look who I have become. I am completely different. I am just like you. These people are going to have boldness to meet the Lord and say, Lord, I am just like you are according to my nature. Take a look at my properties, my character. I am It's completely different. I have forgotten who I was before. I have died who I was before. I have died to who I was before. Eighth, the kingdom of God is the ability through the cooperation of our faith with the faith of God to find and discover ourselves in Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Philippines 3 and 9. And so to find or discover ourselves in Christ Jesus, not with our own righteousness that is expressed in the works of the law of works, but with the one that through faith in Christ, with righteousness of faith, it is necessary in baptism and the death of the Lord Jesus with the law to die to the law in order to live for God. For I through the law died to the law that I might live to God, have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. You see, in order to be found in Him, it is necessary for Him to be in us. And for Him to be in us, I need to be crucified with Christ. I need to die to my nation, the household, and to the corrupt desires of my soul. Furthermore, this we are reviewing again, the covenant, to know what we need to affirm. The covenant that God makes between himself and man, who has been born from the seed of the word of truth, through hearing the preached word, contains three functions that cannot be legitimate apart from one another. This is the covenant of blood, the covenant of salt, and the covenant of rest. So we have seen that in order to make this covenant, we need to be born from the water, spirit, into the throne. And we need to make this covenant in these three functions, in the covenant of blood, salt, and rest not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching for if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins or what it means to abide in Christ to abide in Christ is to abide in the body of Christ which is the chosen remnant of God his church If we have received the knowledge of this truth, but there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy in the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? So he who leaves his assembly is the one who trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, a common thing, and insulted the spirit of grace. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 25 through 29. You see, a person who leaves his assembly, he says, what, only God is in this church? God is also in that church. And he easily leaves to another church. He doesn't understand what he has done, that he tramples the Son of God underfoot and counts the blood of the covenant a common thing. He has entered a covenant, and now he tramples on it. Second Chronicles, chapter 13, verse 5. Should you not know that the Lord God of Israel gave the dominion over Israel to David forever, to him and his sons, by a covenant of salt? Have salt in yourselves. If there is no holiness, the fruit of holiness, because your fruit is holiness and to the end eternal life, if you do not have this, then you cannot be given dominion or reign over your body. Your mind is not renewed. And so here we meet with a covenant of salt, which we have made. What is found in this covenant with God? And for the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my mercy shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. Isaiah 54, verse 10. A covenant of peace, a covenant of rest. I will make a covenant to peace with them and cause wild beasts to cease from the land. And they will dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. Ezekiel 34, verse 25. There are many of these places of Scripture. But these three functions, they do not work without one another. They are not legitimate without one another. When we enter into a covenant to the function of three births, with these three functions of the covenant, they are united into one, it is then impossible to have the first part of the covenant and then not have the next one. If you have made a covenant with God, then you have made a covenant in all three functions. And God makes this covenant with man in the death of the Lord Jesus in the three functions of baptisms, which also cannot be legitimate apart from one another. This is bapti- water baptism, baptism in the Holy Spirit, and baptism in fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chafe with unquenchable fire. The covenant that God makes between himself and man reveals itself in three functions of the will of God, which also cannot be legitimate apart from one another. This is the good will, acceptable will, and the perfect will. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So, be based on your renewed mind, and be transformed into it. Transform yourselves into the new man, so that you can know what is the good, acceptable and perfect will of God.
1: Thus all that
0: God gives us in the three functions of His covenant in the format of the unsearchable inheritance of Christ which He made with us is given to us through hearing the seed of the word preached to us which represents specific promises which on their own in the format of a seed are the deposit of our salvation and if we do not place into circulation the deposit of our salvation according to the requirements of Scripture Our names will be blotted out of the book of life. We are going to pray, preparing our hearts. I ask for forgiveness. I have extended this word. We are going to prepare our hearts right now in order to eat the Pesach, the Passover of the Lord. You have already heard the word of God that can prepare you to this. You now just need to come out, confess your sin, confess your fears, and accept the gift of grace in Christ Jesus so that you can have the right to the body and the blood, which is the covenant of blood. Let us bow our knees and to whom it is impossible their heads. We wait for you at the altar. May the Lord bless you. I will pray along with you with your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God, according to His covenant which He has made with you, He is unchanging in His Word. Despite the fact that you have sinned or fallen, He remains your God. He sees your suffering, your pain, and your desire to be delivered from dependence on sin. Your eyes closed, your hands raised to the heavens. This is a sign that your hands are without anger and doubt. Pray along with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you. I open my heart. I open its pain. You see that I am a servant of my desires and lusts. I despise this I am your child. I am born from the seed of your word. I love your word. Deliver me from my sins. Destroy the chains of sin and heal my heart. Heal my pain. Erect in my body the power of imperishability. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that according to your word, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, I am saved. Your sins are forgiven unto you and your transgressions in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he come down upon you with his holy countenance and may he have mercy upon you and give you peace. May around you fall thousands and tens of thousands but not draw near you. May all of the blessings of the ancient hills and everlastings come upon you. May all of this come upon you and upon your descendants and may it be filled upon you. And let all the people say, Amen.
1: 呃 I want you
0: to remain standing before the Lord.
1: And I will read this place of
0: scripture. Why did I not sit you down?
1: Because my heart,
0: I thought come when Job said, Stand as a man, gird yourself and listen to what I will hear. This, of course, is figuratively, but you right now are presenting yourselves as a man before God who has the faith of God and proclaims it. That's why we are going to listen standing. I was in a Baptist church one time and there was this kind of order that was implemented. They always listened to the word of God standing. That's why and then the preacher came out and he spoke the word, everyone stood while he read. And when the word was read, then everyone sat down when he then interpreted They carried this tradition. I am not putting this into a tradition this is one time it doesn't mean that we we will always do this i just want to show what it means to stand before god this is not in the literal sense to stand as we are doing right now but this is an image to stand to gird your loins as a man so the
1: uh,
0: loins of our mind and to listen to what god is saying 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he
1: comes.
0: Therefore, whoever eats his bread or drinks his cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. And so let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. To discern the Lord's body means that you are being found in the body of Christ. And thanks to the fact that you are found in the body of Christ, in the body of Christ, he carries a responsibility before you and he justifies you. This is what it means to discern the Lord's body and given that people don't do this they don't understand this they are not taught for this reason many are weak and sick among you and many sleep for if we would judge ourselves we would not be judged but when we are judged we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world and so in this place of Scripture or in this Service, he who has made a covenant of God with a uh, covenant and been born from the water spirit into the throne and made a covenant in three functions, he can participate in this. Those that have been excommunicated or warned, they cannot participate, but the rest, even guests, can participate. Therefore, we are going to pray right now for the body. Let us close our eyes and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for this for this bread that in the dignity of your of your body will go across the roads of your people and when we eat a break of it and eat of it may your blessing come down upon every holy person and may this bread be the power of life in the bodies of your servants and may it break all the uncircumcised Philistines in our bodies and may it be an erection of the power of imperishability we thank you and we bow down before this bread Almighty God Father, Son, and Holy Spirit Amen Amen. For He, he take, took it, broke it, and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this remembrance to me. You may be seated. The road that is approached may stand. Each one breaks apart individually, because each of us, themselves, with our sins, we brought wounds to our Savior so that we could be delivered from them. For each time you eat this bread, or you drink this cup, You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. For each time you eat this bread or drink the clu- or drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. To proclaim the Lord's death is to st- destroy the enemies that live in our body, to blot out our remembrance of them, and to be delivered from our sin is living in our body to call the inexistent as existent. This is what it means. Each time you eat the bread or drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes.
1: Each time
0: this supper was conducted, it was done at a table, songs were sung. And then the church had done this not at the table but when they gathered together and they all also sang certain songs one of the songs that was sung during the breaking of bread during communion. The, during the Old Testament that David this was had, had implemented this was Psalm 18. Which he had produced under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit when day when he was delivered from all his enemies and from the hands of Saul, from his mind, from his, from the mind of man that did not accept the anointed men of God in the face of David, in the face of his spirit, and God had delivered him. Here it talks about This is the chief musician of Psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, who spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. Take a look. He simply names who God is for him. Deliverer my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, and my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies." He had proclaimed eight names of God, a covenant, the covenant which he had made. He had proclaimed these eight names that are found in a covenant and that are poured out throughout all of his names. He called these names. He called and he named who God is for him, which gave God the basis to deliver him from the hand of all of his enemies, which will give you when you proclaim these eight names. And when you name who God is for you in these eight names, then the Holy Spirit will have the basis to take your words and to clothe you to clothe you in these words. The pangs of death surrounded me, and the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. The sorrows of Sheol surrounded me the snares of death confronted me. This is when we are immersed in the death of the Lord Jesus. This is that which will happen and will occur with us. Let us stand and let us pray pray for the cup of the new covenant that is poured out Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ we thank you we thank you for the cup of the new covenant that is poured out our sins when it goes across the rows of your people and we draw near it and drink of it may all sin be cursed in our body may all all sin be destroyed and cursed, every uncircumcised thought and every lust. And may your glory be revealed upon us and in us. And may we be healed from the authority of sin and the authority of illnesses. We thank you for this cup and we bow down before it. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. The road that is approached may stand. The same way that you served one another, In the breaking of the bread, you also shall serve one another in the cup. The cup is Christ Himself, one for all generations, for all time, out of which we drink. If you drink the blood of the Son of Man, you are going to have life in you. If you eat of His body, you are going to have life in you. That's why it is one for all nations. For each time you eat this bread or drink this cup, You proclaim the Lord's death until He comes.
1: I will continue to read. The
0: eighteenth Psalm that will talk about what we will endure when we proclaim the death of the Lord, what Noah had endured in the Ark of the in the Ark. The snares of death confronted me, and the sorrows of Sheol surrounded me. The floods of ungodliness made me afraid. In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried out to my God. He heard my voice from his temple, and my cry came before him, even to his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of the hills also quaked and were shaken, because he was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils, and devouring fire from his mouth, coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also, and came down with darkness under his feet. And he rode upon a cherub and flew. And he rode upon a cherub and flew. He flew upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place. His canopy around him was dark waters and thick clouds of the skies. From the brightness before him, his thick clouds passed with hailstones and coals of fire. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coal of fire. He sent out his arrows and scattered the foe, lightnings in abundance, and he vanquished them. Then the channels of the sea were seen. The foundations of the world were uncovered. At your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. He sent from above. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me for they were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. He also brought me out into a broad place and delivered me because He delighted in me.
1: This
0: had occurred with Noah
1: when God
0: also led him out of the ark. Of course, when we read that there... When we read about the story of Noah, we don't hear the thunder and the lightning. Imagine, they were there. In the spiritual dimension, this had happened. In order to lead Christ out of the depths in which he was found and we were found in him, it was necessary to destroy the abyss itself, to release the judgments of God, to take the sin of the Son of God and to place it upon devil, upon this goat, this wicked goat, the Azazel. That's why when we say or when we proclaim the Lord's death and we accept the communion, we need to understand what we are doing, that we are talking about how we have died to our nation, to the house of our Father, and to the corrupt lusts of our soul. And that in this declaration, until He comes, so that he with his resurrection could come in our spirit and erect in our body the power of life, I will ask you all to stand. Given that our service has come to the conclusion, we are going to proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now, to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.